Till the Whole World Hears is our podcast of mission stories from across the globe, told by members in WEC UK and Ireland. Welcome and thanks for joining us. I am your host, Martha, and together we'll learn more about what mission can look like. It can be challenging to live for Christ in the day-to-day, but hearing from others can inspire us to persevere exactly where God has placed us. Thank you for joining, and I hope you enjoy hearing these conversations. Thank you, Patrick, for joining me today. Where did you go on mission and for how long? I uh, left for Japan in 1965 and returned home to England in 1999. What was your journey into mission? I was a Christian at 17 and I became unhappy with my Christian life. I was trying hard to be a Christian, but I was very lonely because no one wanted to know. So I began to seek the Lord and I I prayed this prayer. Lord, if you will give me a taste of the Christianity I read about, in my New Testament, I will go anywhere and do anything. And I prayed and prayed and prayed, seeking to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And um, nothing happened. And and then I read a a verse of scripture, and it said this, if so of what you ask, you believe you have received, then you have received. That's in Luke's gospel. And I, I said, I believe. And you know what happened then? Nothing. I went back to the billet and sat down, opened the book to read, and suddenly my heart was flooded with joy. And I I, I couldn't contain it. I got up and started dancing and singing. And um, I was all alone. I I must have looked absolutely stupid. But the following morning when I got up, it made such a tremendous difference. And then I remembered my prayer. And so I, I began to say, Lord, what do you want me to do? And as a result of seeking the Lord, I was called to mission. Excellent. A, a dangerous prayer to pray that one. Send me anywhere. Well, yes, uh, it is. Uh, but I was desperate. And I thoroughly believe in the value of holy desperation. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes you get desperate. But if it's holy desperation, you're seeking the Lord. It's a great blessing. How did Japan come up as a country? Um, I'm not very bright, really. I was at the Bible College for a year before I realised if I knew where I was going, I could prepare myself more specifically. So I prayed. And in prayer, just the word Japan came to my mind. Now, I'd never met anyone from Japan, but I just said, Lord, if you want me to go there, I'll go there. And the more I prayed, the more peace I had about it. Until one of the other students said, Patrick, have you any idea where you're going? I said, well, I believe the Lord might be calling me to Japan. And as soon as I verbalized it, the confidence grew. And once I'd made it public, it was a kind of confirmation. And I never doubted after that. What was your role then while you were in mission? Because... I had a very poor report about language. I I felt that at least if I went into literature work, I could give out stuff that people could understand. But within three years, Japanese pastors were telling me that I should be in church planting and evangelism. And from that time on, my ministry was church planting and widespread evangelism. The last 11 years, I was actually the pastor of a 
mature Japanese church. But during that time, we did all kinds of things to become part of society. At one time, I coached football. Another time, Sarah and I taught at a local orphanage. I did all kinds of things like that. It's coming across in a lot of these conversations just how varied the role of mission actually is. And you end up being involved in all sorts of stuff, just whatever you can put your hand to at the time. It's finding ways to be a servant that opens up the doors for all other kinds of things. In Japan, you, you have to have an accepted place in your local community that, that is not kind of profit-making, if you like. It's not strategy that is the important thing. It's character, and especially in Japan where everything is built on trust. If a person can't trust you, they won't open the door for you. Uh, that, to me, is one of the big lessons of mission. I think that's really helpful. The pursuit of a godly character is somewhat neglected, maybe, or, or perhaps just overlooked for strategies and techniques, and not always. But I think it is a temptation in our churches sometimes. And definitely when you read the scriptures, you see character is what, what speaks volumes. It's a great temptation to apply management principles to evangelism. Well, they might be all right. I don't know. But it's not the way. Who you are is far more important than what you do. Tell us about one cultural difference between Japan and the UK. The major difference is are not in the appearance of cultural differences like taking your shoes on and off and all that. Japan is built on three philosophies or three religions, Confucianism, Shintoism and Buddhism. And they are all synchronized. And the result is a society in which, first of all, the use of language is quite different. It's indirect. It's inscrutable. You have to listen carefully to what is not said rather than what is said. Because there you pick up all the hints of how you should respond. In English or in Western society, if you can express yourself with clarity so that the other person understands exactly what you're saying, you are considered worth listening to. If you do that in Japan, no one will listen to you. You will come across as big-headed, too wordy. In Japan, people say only half of what they mean and expect the other person to gradually draw the other half out from you with the right questions. To me, that is a tremendously big difference, especially when you're preaching the gospel. You, you preach the gospel in a different way in Japan. Now, that doesn't mean to say you compromise, but you have to realize what is important in Japan is harmony, is joining in, being part of a group. If you start saying, stand on your own two feet, etc., etc., no one is going to listen to you. Uh, and so it's, it's very difficult to, to preach in Japan and get a sincere listening if you approach it in the same way that you would in your own country. Do you have a story of a, of a cultural faux pas that you committed as you, were, as you were trying to work all of that out? I made quite funny linguistic errors, like going to the local bakers and instead of asking for sliced bread, I asked 
for dirty bread. And a fellow couldn't understand, you know. But I'd learned this sentence from one of my friends, and they, they sent me shopping for bread in the morning. On, my, on the way to the bakers, I practiced, and the faster I got, the phonetic change takes place. And by the time I get to the bakers, I'm, I'm not asking for sliced bread. I'm asking for dirty bread. Just, just a slight difference between uh, kitanai and kitanai. Wow. That's different, you see. That was very, very embarrassing. And then my Japanese friend said, what, what food do you miss most coming to Japan? And I said, immediately, I said, fish and chips. And they said, what's fish and chips? So I told them what fish and chips. And she said, we can do all that here. I thought, great, that's wonderful. But they didn't tell me that I'll have to do the shopping for everything. So I ended up at the local fish market with no Japanese trying to buy six pieces of cod. And it was so embarrassing because all these ladies were there and it was marketplace stuff, hubbub, you know, and the man was shouting this and shouting that and the women were getting served. And gradually I got pushed to the front. And when I got right to the front and all these ladies were behind me, Fishmonger stopped his shouting and said in very slow Japanese, what would the honourable customer like? I didn't know. And I just pointed and said, six bits of that. And it was more expensive than I thought. I had to go through my pockets for extra money and, and it's all quiet. And the ladies were saying, and I understood what they were saying. Oh, doesn't he speak Japanese really well? And it was kind of, they're not being sarcastic, but that's what they say about any foreigner who tries to speak Japanese. And the man gave me the fish. I was so embarrassed. You've got to go through that, really. If you're really going to learn a language, you've got to go through it. At Wycliffe Bible Translators, I went on a course, learned two things. One of them was this. Learn to laugh at yourself because everybody else will. <laughs> Did they like the fish and chips in the end? Oh, yeah, plastered with Japanese vinegar and salt. Yeah, it was good. In this short break from the episode, I'd like to take an opportunity to direct you toward the CLC Bookshop online. CLC is an international organisation committed to the distribution of the Bible, Christian books and a variety of other products to serve the church worldwide. The online bookshop stocks biographies from some of the people I've been speaking to in this podcast, including Maud Kell's An Open Door and Patrick's own story, a book called On Giant's Shoulders. Every time you order with CLC bookshops, either online or in-store, a percentage of the value of your orders goes towards supporting missionaries around the world. You can visit their website at clcbookshops.com. Can you tell us an example of an answer to prayer that you experienced during your time in mission? As I said earlier, I was told that I would never master the Japanese language, but I prayed much about learning Japanese. And the answer to prayer was, you just keep at it. You know, it took me some years. I went all through that. And all the time, it was because I prayed that I wouldn't give up. I ended up actually teaching Japanese language postgraduate at university in Reading. So that kind of long-term prayer, I do believe that the Lord undertakes for these things. And, but you have to bathe it in prayer. And sometimes it's desperation because sometimes you feel you're not getting anywhere. But if you keep going and keep praying about it, then eventually the Lord will have his way 
through you. That's very encouraging, though, to hear. Um, just having that, I guess, sense of incompetency at the start and then seeing what God can just do with someone, how he can move you to a place where you could teach teach other people Japanese. I mean, that's that's incredible. Well, yes. But see, I, I left school at 15. I had four O-levels. And once I started work, I had no other qualifications. But what I did have was an inferiority complex in terms of learning. The first time I went to it, actually entered into a, a university was when I went for that aptitude test at London University. And I felt so inferior. I almost felt like shrinking. And when I was given a kind of negative result, it fed into this inferiority complex. And if, if you go to Japan, of all places, with an inferiority complex, it's not the best place to go because they're the most literate nation in the world, highly intellectual. The Lord sent me there, not for their sake only, but for mine, so that I learned how to trust him in things that were too big for me. To me, that's one of the things that mission is really about, that you don't read about in books too much, that don't go thinking you're going to save the world because the Lord is thinking quite different. He's going to save you first. It's not just mission. It's about knowing what the Lord's will for your life is and then getting on with it, with your limitations. Trust in the Lord that he'll undertake for you. I was reminded of, of Gideon when you were talking about that, you know, the kind of response that he has when God asks him to lead the army and he's going, who, me? And I think it is true that God uses the unsuspecting, the person who you might not look on paper as if you would choose them for that task. And then God makes them into who he wants them to be. In fact, the mission didn't want to send me to Japan because they knew the language would be very difficult. And they said, why don't we think you ought to go to an overseas country where they speak English? But no, I was convinced that the Lord had led me or was leading me to Japan. And I stuck to my guns. But it's, it's exactly as you say, the Lord doesn't always choose the most likely people for the tasks that he's got prepared for them. They're chosen because they're weak, so that God might be glorified in them. And I think the same is true of lots of mission. If you could go back in time, what would you tell your 20-something-year-old self about mission? Always remember, it's who you are that will be far more important and will result in far much more fruit than what you do. Remember that if you're a Christian and you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you have nothing to fear, you have nothing to hide, and you have nothing to prove. So you just relax and be yourself in the Lord. And what about advice for a young person who's thinking about going into mission abroad? Yeah, first of all, I would say, you know, where, where do you think that thought comes from? And if they can say, with a fair degree of confidence, they don't have to be absolutely confident about this, but um, if they can say, I think the Lord has put it in my mind and heart. Okay, the second thing I say, are you looking for guidance? Yes. Well, the first step of finding guidance is simply saying to the Lord, Lord, I'm willing for anything, even stay at home, and then be prepared to be led. And 
what you will need more than anything else in long-term mission is joy. You have to taste that joy and you have to know where the source of it is because there will be many things that challenge you, will depress you, and what you need is joy that is not related to circumstances. Find the secret of overcoming joy, and that will sustain you long-term uh, in, in any ministry, whether it's home or abroad. That's, that's very helpful. Thank you very much. We hope you enjoyed Till the Whole World Hears. If you found this helpful, please write a review. We'd love to hear from you. If you would like to know more about WEC UK and Ireland, you can visit our website or follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Links are in the description. Join us next time to hear more about what living as a missionary is like. Thanks for sharing our podcast and blessings on your week. Goodbye.